Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Joining us now is... Uh... Out of out of the horse bar, I was going to say out of Shield Country, Hamish. I can't say that anymore. How are you feeling about the weekend? <laughs> uh, a little mixed. Obviously, I'm a Wellingtonian who mm. chooses not to live in Wellington and wouldn't ever like to go back to visit, let alone live. But I still have Wellingtonian in, in me, and still a few players in that Wellington team who I dealt with a bit. I sort of look at the way they celebrated a guy like Jackson Garden Bishop, who's New Zealand rugby days are probably behind him hasn't quite cracked it at super level, a tolerable EPC player. And this is, you know, it's a great highlight, something to treasure. Yeah, it is something to treasure, you know, and, and it kind of has felt, I don't know what you've thought, but it, it has felt that this season has just been a stretch too far for Hawks Bay at times. I mean, they struggled against Mid-Canterbury. They had to come from behind against both counties and Harbour to retain the shield by two points each time. I mean, it felt like it was slipping, didn't it? Yeah, it's like playing a series of grand finals and if you're also trying to wager a tilt at the title at the same time and resting guys in between shield defences and that kind of thing, it really does wear on you. So I think people here in Hawke's Bay are proud. Mm. Um, They loved having it here. It meant a lot to the community. You know, we're not a super rugby base, so this is is as good as rugby gets in this part of the world and, and there's a connection between the public and the team and a real pride in the shield. So... I think everyone respects what Wellington did. There wasn't like, there was no Matthew Reynolds type situation where the shield was ripped from Hawke's Bay's grasp unfairly. You know what I mean? Like they, they legit lost it. And, you know, it's been a good run and people are sad to see it go, but content with a, a good era. And it was a great era. Great era for Hawke's Bay rugby, mate. But I mean, it comes, you know, it's hard to bounce back from that. And this this weekend, arguably even a bigger game because it's the battle for the, uh, the uh, rights to be called the Bay for another year. There's only no, 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 no. That's not even a competition. I, I was born in Tauranga. No, they are the Bay of Plenty. We are Hawks Bay. There's no the Bay. We, we. This is Hawks Bay. Yeah, no, no? It's not the Hawks Bay. No, no, I know, yeah, but they know gonna... people. There's a lot of. So I'm slightly pedantic about about the written word yeah. and the spoken word, less so, but the written word. <laughs> this these places called the Waira Rapper and the Hawks Bay. They don't exist. There's one rapper in Hawks Bay and. That's that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you know, I, I've just talked to a lot of people. I, I I spent a bit of time in Tauranga and did a bit of work for Bay of Plenty Rugby, uh, and it's I I never noticed it so much there. But man, the amount of people who are Hawks Bay rugby fans that take the being the Bay so seriously, it it almost feels like when I talk to those Hawks Bay fans, that means more than anything else is winning that game. Well, there's no one from uh, the Bay. The, the, the Bay of Plenty Bay, who's actually from the Bay, so they don't really care what it's called. And, <laughs> and here, yeah, well, we've got the landed gentry, six generations deep, you know, high country farmers and all that kind of malarkey. They're very proud of, of their province. And I used to hate them at university. All these people who came down to Massey from 
Hawks Bay and we're going about how great it was. We're like, if you like it so much, why don't you clear off? But when I moved here in the early 2000s, I was like, far out. How good is Hawks Bay? So I go around everywhere and go, hey, Hawks Bay's really good. So... I shouldn't um, criticise. No, you shouldn't, mate. No, shouldn't. Oh, that's all right. We'll, we'll park that for now, mate. We should talk. You, you've already mentioned it in passing. Uh, the All Blacks uh, went over the Aussies on Thursday night in Melbourne. Um, and, of course, there was some controversy in that match, not least of all the uh, call at the end by the French referee. Um, what was your take on on the whole situation? So my, my match preview for Rugby Pass, Mm. was I hope that the two teams play well and that one of them is able to decide the outcome. I would hate for us to be um, debating whether a certain law is fit for purpose or to be wondering if why Matthew Raynaud decided the outcome. And I think the headline was, will Raynaud be the star of the show? And it turned out that he was. I mean, that's far out. Have you seen one of those before? I, I certainly haven't. I've seen a few games of footy in my time. I've mm. never seen that decision given. Um, I thought it was scandalous. It was shades, of course, of his involvement in the 2017 Lions series where he, you know, copped it up at the end when the All Blacks should have been awarded a kickable penalty after a kickoff. Um, yeah, I just sort of left a really sour taste. And obviously, you know, let's be fair, I was barracking for Australia. Yeah. And, you know, as Ian Foster went further, more and more puce in the box as the comeback sort of gathered momentum and then they roared past him like you know I was pretty pumped I was watching with a mate of mine and he was looking at me going you're such a disgraceful New Zealander I'm ashamed <laughs> to be your friend <laughs> can you not you look like you're going to cry every time the All Blacks score and now look at you you know so I was I was pretty gutted with the outcome but like gutted from a rugby perspective because I just think that especially Australian rugby because prime time on a Thursday no competition with NRL AFL you had a lot of non-rugby watchers tuning in, wondering, you know, I'll give rugby a chance again. I haven't watched it for a while. And, and decisions like that sort of confirmed their worst fears. And it was a, it was a whistle-happy game. Was it 24 penalties and, you know, and a handful of yellow cards? Like it confirms people's worst suspicions about rugby being over-officiated and, and, and hard to watch. And, and, that, and in that sense, you know, people's views are, are, have been realised because it was a really, I thought, a game that the players should have decided and the referee had too much involvement. Mm. It was an interesting one because... I agree that I've never seen that uh, call be made before in uh, in a game of footy that I've ever seen. That said, I didn't think it was a bad call. I, I think you know, I think um, staff actually went through and timed all the different penalty uh, through the match. You know, kicking the touch and the Aussies were quite blatant about taking their time and trying to kill things. If anything, you know, given your stance, uh, it actually took the focus off the game, didn't it, Annie and Foster, that, that call? Because, I mean, the All Blacks were up 31-13. I nearly went to bed. I was all like, oh, this is this is done. <laughs> this is in the, this, you know. I mean, we should be talking about how the All Blacks threw that lead away, shouldn't we? Well, it depends. Like, it depends. What, I, mean, I can think back to a Bledisloe at Suncorp Stadium uh, um, or the Old Lang Park in 1996 where the All Blacks were down all day. And I think it was Frank Bunt scored at the death. And, you know, and you were, as an All Blacks fan, you fight you're like, the All Blacks are never beaten. Eat that Australia. You can never beat us. We're never beaten, as I say. And and so there was a shade of that, you know. Bernard Foley, you dopey bugger, kick the ball out. You know what I mean? Mm. You had plenty of time to still waste at the line out. And then you win the line out and you fart around and you kick it out. Like, he just should have kicked it out. And ultimately, all the whinging, all the official complaints for World Rugby... If Foley kicks the ball out, the Wallabies 
I assume, win the game, and that's on him. He probably had opportunities to do it. He didn't do it. You can argue about whether he thought time was on or off. But in terms of the All Blacks, yeah, it was pretty shabby. And I think it's good in the sense that there's been some injury stuff because I think it's time to, to change things up. I just, I've just i been critical of Rico Ioane a lot for not passing. Well, if you watch the game, he can't pass, and he certainly can't make any good decisions on defence, which exposes Caleb Clark. So let's talk about whether someone like Tuivasa Sheck deserves to come into midfield. I'd play Geordie Barrett there myself. I don't rate Tuivasa Sheck at all. I don't think he's got anything to offer. Certainly, he's not a passer. He's not a kicker, and I don't know how well he reads rugby defences. So, were the All Blacks that bad? Just sloppy. But, you know, they had disruptions. Simbins, Kane off, uh, Havili off. Sort of, they got their excuses. I think, ultimately, they'll be pretty relieved to win as, as shambolic as it was at times. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, you know, I did a show on uh, Sunday with Steve Devine and um, we did two hours on this. And, and, and you know, uh, one of the things that kept coming up was like, you know, uh, if people are criticising uh, Renal for that that call, the time-wasting call, um, but really should be criticising him for the Darcy Swain non-send-off because that would have, you know, meant that that call did, probably didn't even happen. Um, so what was, your, what was your take on that? I mean, I, that looked... I think Steve Devine said that is the most thuggish thing I've seen in a rugby field in about four or five years because it was so deliberate. And everything he did while he was on the park was thuggish and he was a walking penalty and that was grim and he deserved to go for the for the duration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, one of the issues that I... So that's, again, that thing that brasses me off about rugby. So when you watch a game, you can tell quite clearly that the referee is getting a lot of information in the air from the TMO and from the two assistant referees. And and we, we are very eager to try and produce a perfect game and we have the benefit of replay to try and get decisions right. Now, that's, that's the equivalent of a cricket howler, a guy who nicks the ball into his pad and is given LBW like that. You can't look at that footage and not think that's a red card. But I I, I sometimes want to broaden the debate out because I think VAR's a bit of a shambles in football. The DRS and cricket's no good. We talk about the NRL bunker a lot. I won't even get on to instant replay in the NFL, which is just, you know, diabolical to me. So I don't know whether you think it's right that we have this much technology and this this many voices and a referee there, but I don't think it's improving the product much at all, do you? Especially when decisions like that, which is so clear-cut, don't get given. Well, I think the thing that we've all been sold on as sports fans is this technology will stop wrong decisions being made. And you go, okay, well, I'm on board with that. If that means, you know, 90% of the wrong decisions we have now in our game over the season are are now made correctly, then bang, what's wrong with that? But we're still getting wrong decisions, even though we've got all the technology, which is just absolutely baffling. The best refereeing performance I've seen this year was Angus Gardner in the first uh, first Springboks All Blacks test. And regardless of the result, the right team won, and both teams were given the same opportunity to succeed. And he, you could tell he was getting a lot of advice from um, the ARs and the TMO, and he ignored them. He had control of the match. And by him having control of the match and not doing daft things, the players actually behaved themselves. Mm. And grubby things didn't happen. He wasn't complaining. I think by um, diluting the authority of the referee, we create more disharmony between the teams and more grizzling from players. And I think that's a, 
another consequence of the fact that people don't believe he's the guy in charge. Yeah, and that's a that's a solid point because you you do get that. It's like you know when the VAR first came into football, all of a sudden you had half a dozen players running at the referee every every time, making a rectangle with their fingers, going go upstairs, go upstairs, go and have a look. And all they want is the referee, who they believe is in charge of the match, to go to the monitor and make the call. They don't want it coming from Stockley Park or wherever it comes on the EPL. They want yep. the referee to call it and not be given advice in his ear, right? Yep, exactly, exactly. So how does Ronell look at Darcy Swain's thing and go, oh, it's all right, it's the yellow. I mean, that's farcical, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I don't, I mean, like, yeah, especially doesn't the way he... Doesn't confidence among the players, doesn't it? It, mm. it makes them feel there's a, perhaps a free-for-all on and we can get away with whatever. Because this bloke's not even up to it. Yeah, well, that that's what it looked like. I was, I, I saw that and I was like, oh, man, he's in trouble. He's gone. That's it. He's done. And then when he didn't get, you know, when he got a yellow, I was like, hang on, how the hell's that happened? Uh, so, no, you're 100% correct on that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Renal because I mean he is I, I believe he is the number one ranked French referee and um, they, they're hosting some tournament next year Hamish that I imagine they think he's going to be uh, um, you know officiating at I'm sure he met his world rugby KPIs and the referees assessor in the stand gave him uh, double ticks perhaps even some smiley faces on his report card so I'm sure he's sweet because by the letter of the law you know, because that's what everyone's going on about, you know, empathy and a feel for the game and all that. And you can't have it both ways. We either want a black and white game or we want a grey game. And so when when a referee makes a decision, which is fair and legit, but we don't like it, we go, oh, they're going to have more feel for the game. And then when they let things go, oh, you can't have feel for the game, it's not gone. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> we want it every way, don't we? We do. We do, depending on which way it goes. I mean, I mean yeah, I, I, it's easy to say when it goes your way, but we did have a lot of people uh, saying, you know, if that had gone against us, I would have understood it. Um, I'm not quite sure that that would have been the reality. In another 10 or 15 seconds, given all the time that is wasted in a, in a match with resets and water breaks and all sorts of carry on, I don't think anyone at home would have, like we went sitting there on the university going, kick them all, you know, how long does he want? You know, we, we didn't, it didn't occur to us that it was an egregious amount of time. So, yeah. I mean, how do you think the All Blacks are tracking? Like, I mean, obviously that was the discussion for months. It's been put to bed. But how do you think they're going? Oh, not well. Not well. I think... <laughs> I, 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 I do think we've seen a slight improvement, but I don't think it's enough of an improvement. Should we say that? Um, They've yeah. shored up the Type 5, so that gives you scope there. The loose forwards are still in a bit of disarray. Um, midfield's unconvincing. Like, the thing about... Barrett to 12, Geordie Barrett, would be Jordan could play 15. Like, we've had this thing with guys like Israel Dagg and Ben Smith and now Jordan. We, we, we get wing, uh, fullbacks to do a job for us on the wing, but they're really not a wing backside. And they mm. don't, they're not afforded the opportunity to play to the best of their ability. They're okay. Like, Jordan, Jordan needs the space and time of playing fullback to do his thing. Like, a guy like Sebi Reese, he can get the ball on the right wing and, and tight corner and with nothing on, and make something happen. So a quick feet, bit of a chip and chase, like good little dynamic player. Whereas Jordan, I think, to me, needs space and time. And he just never afforded that particularly at wing. So if, if, if that, if the Havili, no, the Tapai thing and the, and the Havili thing help put Jordan at fullback, then I'll be in favour of that. Because I just think, as with Ioane at centre, I think we want to, as we're moving forward, try and get guys playing in the right spot. That would be a start as far as the All Blacks development was concerned. Yeah, you're not wrong, mate. You're not wrong. Good stuff, Hamish. Thanks for coming on, mate. Always good to chat. Are you United back?
What do you reckon? Oh, well, mate, if, if we get the opportunity to, to play a game, I mean, God. Yes. Had the last two yeah, two games postponed because some some old bird popped her clogs. I mean, I don't know. Um, didn't make any I sense don't to want me. To be harsh too, but a ninety six year old woman in ill health dies. Like it's not that shocking, is it? I stand to be corrected. <laughs> Great servant, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair income. I think is 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 the is the call. Uh, I I did see. I quite I quite liked a. Uh, because uh, the queues apparently are, are, are quite long, like about nine, ten hours long to shuffle past the coffin. And somebody said, just uh, save yourself nine hours, go to the local cemetery and mourn someone else that you didn't actually know. Um, you know, that would be probably be, probably a better way to spend your time. But there you go. Uh, I think we've digressed. If you digressed. were David Beckham's management group, would you get a bonus for the great idea of yours for him to stay for 12 hours to see you? Or do you think he did it off his own bat? I think he did it off his own bat, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because I think if he didn't want to do it, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't need the publicity. Yeah, he could have taken the Philip Schofield route and come in at the back door and just said, oh, hey, I'm here. Thank yeah, exactly. Goodness. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, right. yeah. I'll let exactly. you go, mate. I can see you winding me up. Thank you very much. Good to chat again. Mate, always good to chat, Hamish. Always good to chat. Uh, I do need to get to Pete Fairburn over in Aussie, though, so we'll do that next. Got you, bro. All right. Have a good evening. Yeah, you too, brother. Hamish Bidwell there with us.